0: Thank you for downloading this episode of In Our Time. For more details about In Our Time and for our terms of use, please go to bbc.co.uk slash Radio 4. I hope you enjoy the programme. Hello. In an unmarked grave in the town of Gravesend in Kent lie the remains of a young woman who died there in 1616. Her name was Amanute, but she's better known today by her nickname Pocahontas, meaning the naughty child. Although she died in her early twenties, Pocahontas has become one of the most celebrated figures of American history. Born into a tribe of Native Americans in Virginia, she's said to have famously intervened to save the life of an English colonist. Later she converted to Christianity and married another settler, a rich tobacco planter. Her journey across the Atlantic and her appearances in London society caused a sensation, and in early 17th century England she was a celebrity, I suppose. Although comparatively little is known about her life, Pocahontas has become a foundation symbol of early America and inspired numerous books and works of art. With me to discuss the life and significance of Pocahontas are Susan Castillo, Harriet Beecher Stowe, Emeritus Professor of American Studies at King's College London, Tim Lockley, Reader in American Studies at the University of Warwick, and Jacqueline Siegel, Reader in American History and Culture at the University of East Anglia. Tim Lockley, Tim Lockley, let's begin with the European settlement of North America. How advanced was that at the, start of these, at the end of the 16th, start of the 17th century? Pocahontas was born in uh, 1595-ish. Uh, North
1: America was very much the poor relation uh, when it came to colonisation of the Americas. Uh, the Spanish had been going to the Americas for about 100 years. They would concentrated on the Caribbean, and then in Latin America, specifically Mexico and Peru. North America was very much um, a wilderness. It was the land unknown. It was the uh, the land that they weren't that interested in. There'd been some exploration of North America in the sixteenth century. They hadn't found gold. They found lots of hostile Indians. And there'd been uh, very little permanent attempts to settle in uh, North America. There was the odd French fort, the odd fishing village uh, until the Spanish settler settlement in Florida in St Augustine in 1565. Uh, Then there's a short-lived settlement uh, which is led by the English in Roanoke Island in the 1580s. Uh, That disappears, probably wiped out by Native Americans uh, by 1590 Uh, and then there's no more attempts to settle in North America until the English go to Jamestown in Virginia in 1607
0: but there is an attempt at an imperial development among English, partly to rival the Spanish. There's a war with Spain going on, so that, that's part of it. And also rumours are emanating from the New World that there's gold in them, there are new worlds, and so on.
1: Yeah, th- certainly North America was somewhere that was seen by the English as somewhere that could be attractive. Uh, they knew that the Spanish had got vast wealth from the Americas, and they, they think that maybe there is gold there, and the Spanish just haven't found it, and that's one of the reasons they go. They also think that North America could be a good base in order to raid Spanish treasure ships that are coming back from the Caribbean they also think there are crops you know uh, citrus fruits vines etc that they can grow in North America uh, that they uh, they would otherwise uh, have to import from other countries so there are imperial dimensions there and there's also a sense I think that by the early 17th century empires and overseas ventures are what big powers do The, the, the French are doing it the Spanish are doing it the Portuguese are doing it and the English are sort of lagging behind and they're aware of that
0: they had imperial longings I think it was towards the end about 1600 that John Dee the, the Queen Elizabeth First astrologer and alchemist and magician coined the phrase the British Empire
1: yeah ab- absolutely and, th- and they start to think about it in an imperial perspective mm. um, but the government itself doesn't do a lot uh, it sort of sanctions uh, colonisation efforts but it doesn't put state resources behind it they're definitely funded and resourced by the uh, p- people who go
0: usually by joint stock companies and in the very early 17th century a colony was established in Virginia Yes, that, but that one held on That one held on but by the skin of its teeth uh,
1: its earliest years are very very fragile and by say 1610 uh, it, it's in a state of decay it's, it's very much on the edge of destruction because uh, they'd sent a thousand people to Virginia in those three years but in early 1610 there were only 60 of them left alive and they'd been wiped out by disease, by Indian warfare they were really clinging on by the, by the skin of their teeth so the early years of Jamestown are incredibly fragile and, and it easily could have been wiped out in 1610. What saved what, what, what what, what it? Uh, well just as the, uh, as the settlers who were, who were there are leaving they'd given up, they were going to go back to England uh, they're halfway down the James River on the way to the Atlantic they meet a new fleet coming from England with 900 new people and the new governor forces those poor Souls to turn around, go back home, and go back to Jamestown, which which is probably the last thing they ever wanted to do, was to go back to this hellhole which they'd just experienced.
0: (laughs) Jacqueline Fierce Eagle, there was a substantial local population of Native Americans. Can you tell us something about them, please?
2: Yes, throughout the whole Virginia Tidewater area, there were around about 15,000 who are under the rulership of um, a Powhatan Indian. They are. It was a very complex society they'd build up and he was still building a sort of empire, although it operated in a very different way. It was a matrilineal system and so the inheritance was a went down the female line but the ruler was always a man. And in these little towns, which were spread... Because there were a lot of waterways and estuaries throughout this region and they always were on the edge of a waterway. In these little towns, there were what were called weronsay, which were sub-chiefs who operated underneath... The Powhatan, whose name was Wahunsenacah, but he was called Powhatan as the the ruler. What so, happened
0: in these towns? Why did they become towns? Can you, are these are these not a sort of nomadic scavenging people? No, no, no right. these are Good. not a nomadic right. scavenging the people. Towns?
2: They are semi permanent towns. So these towns are semi agricultural. They're towns which are built out of saplings, which are lined with bark, and it's where people live. And in the areas round about. Our fields which they cultivate. It's the women that cultivate the fields, the women are the farmers. And they grow maize, corn, and squash, and um, beans, and, of course, tobacco, which was, for them, not the kind that was going to be commercial, but was for a, for ceremonial purposes. And then in all the surrounding area, the woodlands, that was also vital them, because that was where the men went out to hunt and where they collected nuts and berries, and then of course all around was the, was the sea, so they'd also fished. So this is kind of these are self-sufficient communities, all bound together by language. They all spoke the Algonquin language, and moving around the waterways on these open, these um, flat-bottom canoes that they dug out. So it was, if you like, self-sufficient, quite happy community, but with enemies on either side because Powhatan was pushing out, and so one of the reasons he wanted to have the English on his side as he thought they would be useful as allies, first of all against the Spanish attacks and secondly against enemy tribes that were around about but he had trade lines right out to the west and up to the north so it was in the Tidewater area but it had tentacles if you like that reached across the continent About how long had they been there do we know? Thousands, but um, how long they'd been cultivating um, I'm not... What
0: thousands? I mean thousands is thousands How many thousands?
2: probably about I'm, I'm not dead certain but I I would say about you know the, the, it's estimated ten, twelve thousand. 12000 but the estimates on 10, these 12, things 12,000 years
0: in that same spot doing Moving much around. the same thing or
2: Well no the, no because I think the agricultural um development was, was more recent the whole um, development of maize and crops and becoming more sedentary and therefore semi-permanent because these towns once the land was depleted they would move and so they were, if you like, semi-permanent townships. When the uh, English arrived, what was their relationship with the Native Americans? Well, when they first arrived, obviously a lot of suspicion and worry on both sides because, first of all, as, we, as we've as we heard from Tim, it was fragile whether this colony was going to work or not. They'd The Roanoke colony was probably um, dispersed by Indians, if not wiped out. And, of course, the Indians had been attacked by Spanish and people. So both sides were very wary, but they also needed each other and wanted to have interactions. Powhatan was keen to have the English on his side, and he also wanted to trade with them. And, of course, the colony was absolutely desperate for food a lot of the time in the early years. And they weren't very good at growing food, were they? No, they weren't good at all. They had to have instruction. Powhatan sent instructors to them down to help them do it. It's interesting that here and up in Massachusetts, it was the Indians
0: who taught, who fed, who fed the English uh, and the British for for, the, for a considerable time taught but, them how to grow, taught them what to eat, taught them what was poisonous.
2: Yes, exactly. Yes, no, food
0: was the great power that the Indians had. Food the was the Indians great
2: power had. at this stage. The the difference between up in New England and here is that the terrible epidemics that sort of wiped out the population in New England, and left the land. I mean, decimated the population. So there was more land available, more easily available, and fewer Indians to help. Whereas in Virginia, it looks as if although there was illness, there weren't these dreadful epidemics. So there was a fully functioning society with its full leadership there. And also trade, because for the Indians, what they wanted was, of course, metal tools. This was not a society that had any kind of metal. So they wanted um, knives, they wanted scissors, they wanted swords for cutting down trees, and also and of course, in the end, they really wanted to get their hands on guns.
0: Susan Castilla, how much do we know about Pocahontas's
3: family? Comparatively little. She was the child of Powhatan, um, the paramount chief of the Powhatan um, empire. She um, was apparently her mother was not um, one of Powhatan's significant wives, in that um, no. Essentially, the Powhatans were matrilineal and matrilocal, and power went through the female female line. Um, So there was no sort of political power inherent to Pocahontas, but clearly um, she was one of her father's favorites. He, um, when you say clearly, he had about. We understand he had about twenty children, didn't he? By different. He did. How do we know clearly she was one of his favorites? Where does the clarity come from? Well, basically from two sources: John Smith and William Strachey, who speak of her as. um, Strachey mentions her as her father's darling. And uh, um, Smith's the earliest, possibly the earliest reference to her is in Smith's True Relation of Virginia, which was sent as an unpaginated report to London with a ship's captain, and then it was subsequently printed. He talks about her there as a child of nine or ten, who had interestingly come to the um, to Jamestown when there was an exchange of prisoners. As as Jacqueline has mentioned, there were some skirmishes and they often accuse the, the Indians of stealing tools, metal tools which clearly they, they wanted and it would seem extraordinary to send a child um, with um, you know, on, on this sort of mission but this I think was probably as a signal of non-aggression that he had sent his, his daughter.
0: It is odd, isn't it? Because there's a lot about her straying the 20 miles-ish from where they were to yes. this fort, little fort. Yes. Uh, obviously, she couldn't go alone, so who went with her and why? And it's the it's, it's start of a very, very, very short
3: life, but it's a significant start, obviously. Absolutely. And the fact that she was so very young. Mm-hmm. Um, Smith talks about her as um, the non of his kingdom. She clearly was a very... Um, very charismatic very engaging child and very intelligent very observant
0: so tell you can you go more into the earliest references this is perhaps sure. be a sort of sub-theme of the program just checking things and, uh, mm. what, what do we know she became such a foundation myth in America she was Disney-fied mm. and there you are but what do we really know about her at the beginning, on which the foundation of her reputation and her life, this engagement with the fort at Jamestown, which she seems to have, mm-hmm. have got into, been trusted by, been, te- been kidnapped, all sorts of things might or might not have happened. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Smith. What else is there?
3: Strachey has a, has a charming vignette which describes the Indian children and led by poker hunters, who clearly was mischievous and full of life, and they would go to the fort and they would turn cartwheels And Strachey remarks rather prudishly that she had nothing on underneath. Um, He didn't really approve of this. But um, this indicates also that she was really quite young because usually um, Powton women, when they reached puberty, would wear a leather apron-like garment, and they were really quite modest, so she clearly was very young. Smith again mentions her as a pitiful person, meaning that she was full of pity. For the colonists, and she would take them food, and would organise um, others to take them food.
0: Because some of the time they were literally starving, weren't they?
3: Yes. Well, so many of the colonists were rather useless gentlemen, um, who weren't terribly good at farming or much else.
0: Can you tell us a little more? <coughs> Jacqueline's <coughs> indicated it about. <coughs> excuse me. About what Pahoutan women would be doing at that time? Because you have quite a lot about that with a lot of watercolours, and what, what what their activity would be. No reading or writing, of course.
3: Not that we know of. Mm. Um, basically farming. Um, they cultivated the crops. Um, tobacco was used for ceremonial purposes, and I'm sure we'll go on to this. But it may be that poker hunters subsequently helped them in um, to know more about tobacco cultivation.
0: Do we know anything about music, about anything else that they might have been doing in the long evenings around the campfire?
3: Well, in in Smith's narrative, um, again, I'm jumping forward, but when he's taken captive, he speaks of a great grim fellow who comes skipping in, and uh, the kind of ceremonial dances which they had um, are really... It's a very fascinating account, and Strachey, of course, talks about um, their culture in some detail. But we do
0: know unequivocally that she did make contact with the English. She was to a certain extent adopted by them, certainly yes. liked them, they liked her. So from the beginning she was maybe a pet, or whatever she was, yes, but that yes. did happen when she was 11 or 12, 10, 11, 12? 9
3: or 10, I would think, really, it yes. It started then. Yes, prepubescent, clearly. Yeah.
0: So what attraction... I mean, we know that there was quite a bit of kidnapping went on. So was their was was eyes alert for a kidnapping opportunity here?
3: Well, what happened was, this of course was much later... Um, in the interim, she probably had married um an Indian. We don't know what happened regarding that marriage, but later she may have been visiting her husband's people, the pattawamook and uh, it happened that Captain Samuel Argall, who was a ship's captain um was on the river. His ship had very heavy guns, and he was um he learned that Pocahontas was um in the neighbourhood, as it were. So clearly he thought it was an opportunity to take her as hostage. And it's interesting that previously the Virginia Company had said that um, it would be desirable to capture the children of indigenous leaders so that they could be um, instructed in Christianity, brought to the settlement. So kidnapping was almost official policy. And, and couldn't
0: learn the language.
3: Yes, absolutely, yes. Both ways.: They did. They would leave sometimes um, young men with them um, to, to learn the language, and because they would be isolated among the Indians, the best way to learn is total aversion as they learned. Tim Lockley,
0: um, we, we, and John Smith's been referred to two or three times. can you just briskly say who exactly he was, why significant, and what his part was in this play? John Smith
1: is a soldier. He's an adventurer. He's had a very colourful life. Uh, He's done lots of interesting things before he ever goes to America. Uh, He's uh, one of the early settlers. Um, He assumes control of the Virginia colony after the death of various leaders. Uh, He's sort of elected into a position of authority uh, at the end of 1608, uh, and he's quite an important figure over the next six months because he effectively leads the colony. He's the one probably who saves it from destruction, most likely because he forges some kind of viable relationship with the local Indian tribes, where they do pr- procure food enough to survive that winter of 1608 to nine. And, and 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 so there's a lot of ways in which he's a really important person. Um, his most famous episode with Pocahontas is uh, a relation that uh, he wrote down in I think his third book when he writes about um, Virginia in which he publishes in 1624 when he writes about this episode where he was captured by Powhatan and Powhatan was going to kill him and Pocahontas intervenes and saves his life and She would
0: then be about 16 or something No,
1: no, this is still when she was about 10 really? or 11 oh, um, oh, this, is, this is again about 1608 yeah. that she, she intervened and saved his life Now, it's quite probable that this incident never happened because he only writes about it, in, he first writes about it in his 1624 book, and that's seven years after she died, it's 15, 16 years after the episode supposedly took place. In the 1608 uh, version of events that Susan referred to, he doesn't mention it and he's, he's treated quite well by Paraton, and there's no str- sense that he's going to be executed uh, so this is uh, quite probably a literary device if you read the rest of his book he's saved by young maidens about three times in the course of, this, of, course of his life so it's quite a common device for him to write about these kind of things um, but it's
0: the it's but even though it's a common device it really, doesn't mean it didn't happen does it I mean, it doesn't no- mean
1: it didn't happen. But but if it uh, and if it did happen, if we give the Smith the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, he had reasons for not writing about it in sixteen oh eight, and he wrote about it in sixteen twenty four. Um, if we say, okay, it did happen, then it probably almost certainly again didn't mean what Smith thought it meant. That that it quite possibly was an adoption type ceremony. Uh, organised by PowerTon whereby Smith was adopted as one of his then sub-chiefs who was effectively sub-chief of the English.
0: So there's a pretend death in order that he could be born again into so, the nation. Exactly, tribe. some kind yes. of
1: ceremony that went on. Yes. And um, that, that is a quite likely interpretation of it, which is different from Smith's own version of events. But this event is what is then um, seized on by uh, filmmakers in the future and it appears in every film that you ever see about Smith.
0: Uh, Jacqueline, if this did or not, after the relationship with Smith which has been called a romantic relationship by everybody who hasn't studied the sources because there's no evidence for that whatsoever, he was about 30, she was about 10, never mind Put the, 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 there seems to be a slight amelioration uh, of the relationship between the American Indians and the English can you describe, because one thing we haven't said is the English were ruthlessly racist at this time uh, and uh, the Indians began to know how to control the English by this uh, controlling the supply of food.
2: Yes, they did, and they the food issue, as you mentioned before, just continues throughout this early period. Because Smith is only there in the colony for two years. He goes home with a with a gunpowder wound at, in October, um, 1609. But it does seem there's amelioration of a of relationship, and there's more trading of. Um, Goods and exchanging presents, and as Susan said, exchanging people. There's boy Thomas Savage who goes to live amongst the, the um, Powhatan, and then the, the Indians send a, a young boy called Namatak who's used. She's a sort of precursor for for Pocahontas, and she's sent, he, he sorry, he is sent to London as a as a showpiece. He's much too young to bring back the information that they really want. But there is much more of a sense of, of relaxed relations. On the other hand. There's constant pilfering. The Indians don't see stealing from strangers as being the same kind of crime as stealing from your kinsfolk. There's lots of, you know, little encounters where um, uh, white, uh, in, um, English people get ambushed. And, of course, in that that raid that Tim talked about, that sacking of uh, when they ran out of food in the winter of 1608-1600, now that's seen as a kind of act of aggression. And also the English start doing things that make the Powhatan people are quite worried they start, instead of cultivating their fields as they should do in the spring and summer they move up the the, um, James River and they plant three more forts and this, if you like, exposes the whole um, interaction that's going to be so tricky throughout the continent, never after and that is this issue of land because they see this land where they put their forts as clear land and what it is is Indian land that's actually lying fallow and that they're they're not using and they plant their forts on some of this best land and so there begins to be an awareness that, first of all, their way of using land is very different because the English people see it as private property. You own it. You cultivate it for profit. They haven't managed that yet. And the Indians instead see land as something that you own only by using it. So use your rights. So while you're using the land, it's yours. But also all the land around, the forests, etc., are for everybody to use. And so when the English start laying waste to the forest... They're losing their food supplies. They they're, they're, they're losing their wood supplies, and so there is this sense that these people are no longer just visitors, but that they are here to stay. That they are invaders.
0: Susan Susan Castilla. In 1610, we hear that Pocahontas was captured by the English. Now, can you tell us what happened then? She's 15 mm-hmm. then, if I'm right. I'm trying to get my dates. That's back right. Yeah, 15. All right. She's captured by the English.
3: She is. Um, she was visiting Patowmack, possibly her um, first husband's people were were from there. And essentially she was lured abo- aboard the boat of Cap of Captain Samuel Argyll, um, by, it is said, um, Yapasus, who was the local chieftain and his wife, um, who were curious about it, they said, and they suggested to Pocahontas that they go look at the boat and go on board. She clearly, um felt that something was wrong but the wife of Yapusus um, said that she didn't want to go on board without another woman so Pocahontas went and they also said to her they don't know who you are and they don't know you're Powhatan's daughter. This was false and so they went on board and um, they were shown around and made much of by the captain but then he announced that he was taking her prisoner and uh, um, Yapasus it is said, pretended to um, react with indignation. It seems to have been prearranged, but there are other Mm -hmm. versions of that. But still, um, it it said that Pocahontas was, I quote, exceeding pensive, as well she might be. I'm sure she was frightened, you know. But um, she then was taken to Jamestown, where she was a prisoner, but she was um, instructed in Christianity, by the Reverend Whitaker, and was again a young woman who was intelligent, personable and it may be that it is during these sessions that she met John Rolfe.
0: So let's talk about the Christianity first. So that implies that she knew quite a bit of English, or does it? Well, she was in Jamestown long enough, I think, so that she could learn English. She'd obviously been in contact
1: with English for about six years by now and she'd been learning perhaps bits and pieces of English over that time but she's immersed in Jamestown for for about a year during which time she becomes Christianized.
0: The, the Christianization of the native and in inverted converts was either the redeeming feature, or the sort of uh, sticking plaster uh, on top of the colonization project, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's Whatever never it's it.
1: never taken that seriously, I think, by the English, and that's also true in New England. I mean, the efforts that the English do throughout colonial America to Christianize uh, native peoples uh, pale in significance in comparison, for example, to what's done by the Catholics. In Latin America, where they've got missionary groups—the Franciscans, the Dominicans, the Jesuits—who were doing a lot of
0: missionary work amongst Indians. But they wanted her. To, they, they tried to. It, it was very important when she did become a Christian. She was one of the first, if not the first, and so on and so. On. It, it was made much of that fact.
1: Absolutely, and it's it's uh, again seen as a justification, and and they, they justification they, a justification for colonization. Because one of the things they've talked about since, even since Roanoke in the 1580s, is that one of the reasons the English think they can go to North America is that they can Christianise the natives in the Protestant religion rather than risk them all being uh, 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 turned into Catholics by the Spanish. And so they do talk about that in some of their
0: promotional literature. They don't follow through with it on the ground, but they do talk about it as a reason for colonisation. And very soon after that, she marries a man called John Rolfe. Who's introduced a Caribbean strain of tobacco into the area, yeah. which is much more profitable. Uh, yeah. Although it scours the land much more effectively as well, yeah. which 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 displaces the Indian. But John Rolfe, who has been married once, marries her.
1: Yes, he does. He is. Um, uh, he's he's previously been married. Uh, he was. Uh, one of those that had been on a, a voyage to Virginia in sixteen oh nine. He's he's one of the ones who was shipwrecked, on in Bermuda. Uh, he loses his wife and child, um, in Bermuda. He then travels back on to Virginia in sixteen ten. Uh, he introduces Trinidadian tobacco, which becomes the mo- most profitable crop in Virginia. Um, he he writes a letter justifying his relationship with Pocahontas, um in sixteen fourteen, when he denies that he's driven by carnal affections uh, and that he's actually driven by uh, desire to A. he loves her, B. that he wants to carry on with her Christianisation and her education, uh, but also he he characterises it as being for the good of the colony which I think is also really interesting because uh, the sort of political dimensions
0: of that relationship are really important But he also writes another letter Jacqueline, where he says how much he does love her and how wonderful she is and he can't do without her and all that sort of thing and he takes her off to England. Now can you square those two things?
2: Can I square those two things oh, well, just talk about them i suppose <laughs> i mean I, I mean he's quite a conflicted person I mean don't you think when you when you read his writing yes. he's, he, he is somebody that, that agonizes over things and he actually agonizes over his his lust or his feelings for her but and he, but he is also somebody that is very committed to this plantation I mean as you say, he brought this strain of tobacco, the first export he makes is in 1614. So he's clearly... And it it hasn't quite become a cash crop, but it's clear that instead of this rather um, bitter tobacco that the Indians have been growing, there is a real possibility here to... Beat the Spanish who have dominated this market. So he does ha- actually, you know, carry these two things together. I think he, I think he's a conflicted person. All his writings are very well, agonised.
0: Do you think he meant it when he said he was passionately and lustfully in love with her? He was saying that as a private letter. That wasn't a public declaration. Did he meant it? Was he trying to persuade anybody? Persuade himself? What? What, what do you think was going on?
2: Well, I believe that, actually. I, mean, I don't know about the others. Well, that's but different
0: from conflicted, isn't it? I well,
2: mean? no, I think he's conflicted. And when you, you ask, why is he doing it? Right. I think he's doing it for both reasons. It is for the good of the common These people are all feeling so vulnerable that anything that can make peace with the Indians for th- the development of the, the tobacco. But, you know, you can have your lustful, line, uh, lustful ideas aligning up with your political interests.
0: But in 1616, uh, Susan, he takes his new wife to London. Now, why mm. does he do that?
3: for many reasons I think Pocahontas was curious you know she was lively she was inquisitive she probably wondered what it would be like so there was some agency on her part but as also a kind of propaganda coup um, here we have um, the Virginia Company wanted very much to represent the indigenous people of Virginia as peaceable tractable eager to receive the blessings of Christianity and so, to, for Pocahontas to go to England wearing English clothing, speaking in English, was a very powerful propaganda coup.
0: They were made much of in London, too.
1: Absolutely, they were. They were. They were introduced at court. Uh, they certainly local people at the time write about uh, her and the impact that she makes. She's certainly the highest-ranking Virginian who's gone so far. Um and they they even take her to this sort of mask, uh, one of Ben Johnson's uh, masks to and they present her and they put her in a place of prominence so that everyone can see that
0: she's there. And she's there at the same time as King James and uh Anna Bohemia. Or is that at another event? No, this is the time Not when the they're mask. introduced at yeah. court to yeah. the to the King. And yeah. she she lived for a while in uh, Duke of Northumberland's house in St. Park. Is that yes. Right? Yes, yeah. And, yeah. So going that's on. not a bad place to stay. So she was. Oh another... yeah, she was
1: because she was a princess, and they treated her like a princess, right. uh, and that's that's why she's introduced to court because she's given that status of royalty, uh, which of course is far exceeds that of her husband.
2: But I think one of the interesting things that's going on as well. This is a coup. This is she's a wonderful walking advertisement for the, for the Virginia Company, but she's also part of a diplomatic mission for her people, and even if she isn't actively um, engaged in that. Utama who is her a brother-in-law, he, she's, he's married to her sister, who comes with them. He is a priest, and priests are very um, powerful and listened to in Powhatan society. He is, he is a priest and a counsellor to Powhatan, and he goes... And he apparently brings with him a counting stick. He goes to bring back information. Who are these people? Where have they come from? How do they live? And how many are there? So he takes this counting stick and he's going to notch up how many English people there are. This is a an an- wonderful anecdotal story because they arrive at Plymouth and they travel up to London. And by the time he's got to London, he's thrown it away.
0: Uh, and it, it, things he mostly discovers that he can't believe the incredible filth and the incredible riches.
2: Exactly. The two things, the two extremes.
0: In in 1617, uh, they boarded. He wanted to get back to his base, or he and Pocahontas got on the boat to go back. And she became ill from, we don't know, do we?
1: No, we don't know. Um, we have very scant records of her death. We know that th- that she had been apparently healthy. They got on board the ship. She sickens while on board the ship. They stop at Gravesend in hope of getting medical attention for her, but she dies shortly after disembarking. Um, of course, there are numerous horrible pathogens in London at the time that she could have caught uh, we don't we have any information about chance, her symptoms. TB, and TB um, she could have got dysentery there's lots of uh, illnesses I mean plagues endemic in London in the, in the 17th century there's lots of things that could have killed her um, we don't know what they were um, because we don't have any description of her symptoms uh, not even by uh, Rolf himself and he does write a little bit about her death I think he just remarks that uh, her final words were just h- happy that her son was going to survive her and that he was going to be looked after.
2: We do know, of course, that just she dies on the 21st of March and we do know on the 10th of March that at Zion House um, the Virginia Company come and they give £100 to Rolf and his wife to set up a mission for native children. At that time, when that's signed over, there isn't any evidence that she's sick so that the whole notion that she might be declining or had consumption... Doesn't seem to actually square. It sounds much more like it's some kind of ghastly dysentery yeah. that happens. It's very a quickly. fast-acting
1: disease because it's a ten-day period when she goes from being healthy to being dead.
0: The amazing thing: she's only about twenty-two or twenty-three, mm. and this vast <laughs> life uh, has happened to her. She's affected it. Um, what did her death? What effect did her death have when news of it got back to the colony? Season?
3: Well, of course, after her marriage to Rolf, there was a period of relative calm and tranquility which and good relations with the indians which enabled them to consolidate the colony to bring many more english people
0: this was considered to be a very great healing important event Absolutely. like a, a european marriage between two royal houses that sort of thing
3: it may well have been exactly that you mm. know um, marriage as an instrument of policy was certainly used in europe and it could be that powerton approved this precisely for that for that reason mm after she died and then after Powerton's death however um things went rapidly downhill um Opa had the the um person who basically was in charge of policy and um, Powerton was succeeded by one of his brothers but who was rather weak but the person who really called the shots was Opechankono who perceived correctly that um the more English who came, the worse it would be for the Indians. So, what he prepared was a preemptive strike, and in 1622 there was an uprising in which 500 English colonists were killed. After that, there were huge reprisals, and you begin to see references in texts by people like Wyatt, for example, of extirpating the Indians so that essentially genocide was. The policy um, after that,
0: mm. it became it became as it were English policy. Yeah, Sadly,
3: they, yes. they they talk after
1: 1622 that in a way that did them a favour because they yes, no longer have yes. to pretend to like the Indians or treat with them well. They can now completely justified in, in destroying and exterminating them. And the thing is that the English fought long-term campaigns which Indians weren't capable of fighting and that they were, they would go in and they would destroy villages, they would destroy Indian crops and, they, and they, therefore that region was then uninhabitable for the Indians who had lived there and they have to move. Whereas the English, uh, they, they sort of are set up for these long-term battles uh, and that's what they do throughout the 17th century and throughout in Virginia and in New England they fight long-term war that Indians can't sustain.
0: And then that the whole thing comes to an end. about... is it 1646 when there's very little left of this? Uh, yeah, that's lines. the final peace treaty, oh, yeah. uh, and
1: they, they actually, for the first time, draw a line on the map and say this is English territory, this is Indian territory, and then th- they they move that line periodically after the push that to the west. But this is the first time they actually yeah. draw a proper line and saying mm-hmm. there's no Indians. This is not Indian territory anymore; it's now English territory.
0: Let's go back to Pocahontas. What influence? When did she start to be? F- when did she was thought of as somebody who had an influence and what was it?
2: Well, I suppose at the time, as you know, she's not particularly important. And the, when, in terms of, when you say influence or mythic mythic presence? I think both. Well, the, I mean, the influence at the time, of course, was real. And as Susan said, the marriage was absolutely key. And also symbolically, you know, the first convert and then the first cross-racial marriage, that's absolutely key. So that... that she was seen as very important there. But then there's a kind of lull. And I would say, although there's interest that that's, that's, um, develops, the real um, focus on her comes in the 19th century. That's when she becomes a mythic figure for the national narrative of the United States and the way they're going to think about and talk about native peoples.
0: Can you tell us how that arises, Susan? And which writers are taking that story up? It's about two or three centuries later, isn't it? Yeah,
3: Absolutely. It goes very quiet, as 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 Jackie has said. But then um, a man called John Davis wrote um, four stories called *The Poker Hunters Quartet*, which touched off um, a series of of, of, a lot of writing about her. Um, One was by um, a writer called Unca Eliza Winkfield, who wrote something called *The Female American*, which is a heady brew. It's a kind of conflation of um, Defoe's Robinson Crusoe, but with a female protagonist. Um, it is a kind of narrative of female empowerment, and it, Pocahontas is grafted into that. Um,
0: what sources are they drawing on? Is this? It's a good idea. It's it's in the zeitgeist that this myth should be created. Uh, are they drawing on the sources that you three have been drawing on in your studies?
3: I think probably so. I have don't have evidence of this, but no. I think probably they had read Smith and Strachey and others.
0: And how powerful do, how, can you just interrupted that how, how, how does it grow this 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 r- resurrection of the of the idea of Pocahontas?
3: well, it goes on as the nineteenth century unfolds um to become a kind of romantic myth of colonization um You have writers like James Nelson Barker who writes about the Indian princess, and that is when the whole um the romance between Pocahontas and smith is is um blown up and becomes one of the very central elements of the myth. Another writer, Robert Dale Owen, who was um, a social reformer, um, has a book again about Pocahontas which is um, characterizes her as a kind of proto-feminist figure and that was at the same time of Seneca Falls, of course, you know, the American women's rights movement. Later, um George Washington Custis, who was the stepson of George Washington, has an extraordinary book which sees Pocahontas essentially as paving the way for Washington and for um, Anglo-American expansion. It's an extraordinary kind of intellectual somersault, but that's what he does.
0: On on this side of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, um, Jacqueline... What's happening here? Much writing about her here? Is there any continuation of the of the status she achieved so momentarily, as it were, in Jacobean time? You don't know. What about you? Um, I don't think there's much sense
1: of, of people knowing a lot about her in, in England in the 19th century. Uh, I think one thing to, to build on what Susan was just saying is that um, they do uh, treat Pocahontas as one of several Native American women in the 19th century who plays a very important mythic role like Sac- Sacagawea yeah. uh, who was involved in the Lewis and Clark expedition which is traversing the Louisiana Purchase out to the Pacific now this idea of the helpful, help-meet Indian woman uh, is, 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 is increasingly popular especially as Indians get more and more marginalised and less and less of a threat then you can sort of reincorporate them into the national myth as being helpful
0: but, Jackie, come back to you. The artist, she was depicted in painting. Her, her context and herself were depicted in paintings.
2: She is depicted. And, and, of course, we do have one um, etching, um, which is in the National Portrait Gallery in London, which was made when she was here in 1616 by a um, Dutch artist, Simon. Um, Van der Pas. Van der, Passe, Van der Passe, yes. thank you. And that is the sort of basis on which other pictures have been made. So that that is a rather. What's it like? It's it's very small. Mm. It's what it's does a, she look like? It's a line drawing. She looks. She's dressed up as a European, as a, as a Jacobean lady in waiting. She's got an ostrich plume in her hat, and she's holding an ostrich plume fan, which of course was a sign of royalty. She's wearing clothing which is look, looks looks as though she's armoured. It's very stiff looking, and she's wearing a beaver beaver skin hat. And it's that picture that's then taken, and we don't know who did it. But in the eighteenth century, there's a portrait made an oil portrait, which then hangs in the Rolf's house in Norfolk.
0: Sorry, we're very near the end. How is she seen by Native Americans today, briefly, starting with you, Susan?
3: I think in in ambivalent ways. um, For some, I think she she was... I think what there is is an attempt to give her agency once more, not as the passive victim of events, but rather as someone who was um, undertaking a role as diplomat, perhaps i'm um, doing a bit of espionage for her father um not as a passive victim I think.
1: Yeah, but and there's you, a retelling of the story that, that you, you increasingly get in the last sort of decade from oral history from uh, Native Americans which tells a very different type of story which talks about um, for example that when she was kidnapped by the English that she was quite possibly raped, that when she was taken back to England she was quite possibly poisoned um, and that's a very different type of history of of, of uh, Pocahontas uh, that is being told in the, in the most recent times and I, okay. I
2: think the most <clears throat> one of the most interesting things is the way in which the Virginia Indians have used the American created story to try and reclaim their identity as Indian people.
0: Well, thank you very much. Jacqueline Fears-Siegel, Tim Lopley, Susan Castillo and next week, The History of the Microscope. Thank you for listening.